Hi, Canard fans. Welcome to Season 3 of CanardCast. CanardCast is a podcast for rutan-designed and rutan-inspired aircraft. Season 3 is produced by David Williford with technical support by Izzy Briggs. CanardCast is a production of the Canard Owners and Builders Association, and information on how to join will be provided at the end of this CanardCast. Good day. Today we go down under for a one-on-one with Lockie Ferrier, callsign convict. Lockie's a young test pilot who lives in Oakland, California with his lady friend Cassidy, an accomplished pilot in her own right, as well as their canard type-rated Labrador Kane. Lockie's Cozy Mark IV, November 656 Tango Echo, built by Dr. Thane Ostrath, is based in Hayward Municipal, Kilo Hotel Whiskey Delta. Born in Armadale, Australia, Lockie moved to Canberra, Australia when he was 12 and later to the United States in 2014 to attend college at the prestigious Massachusetts Institute of Technology where he earned an aerospace engineering degree. He received his undergraduate in 2019 and is presently working towards his master's in the area of flight testing. Lockie's flown prototypes for the electric aircraft company Beta based in Burlington, Vermont, including their electric design Alia for over 100 hours. He is presently working at Magpie Aviation in Hayward, California. Although Lockie is new to the Canard community and only recently began operating his Cozy Mark IV, his reach for the sky began in his youth where he learned to fly gliders back in Canberra. Welcome everybody to another episode of CanardCast. I'm your host today, Izzy, and uh, with us we have uh, Lockie, and uh, Lockie's going to tell us a little bit about his new canard today. Uh, We're recording at the uh, uh, my hangar, my home office at uh, in uh, Sanford, Maine, Uh, and so if you hear jets in the background, that's a taxiway just outside. So, um, Lockie, welcome to uh, Sanford. What brings you up here today? So my uh, my girlfriend's family is from uh, Biddeford, Maine, and uh, Sanford was sort of the closest Canard-friendly airport, and so I flew in here, and a day later, uh, Izzy made contact with me, I didn't know I landed in in a, in a micro-Canard heaven of the Northeast, so. Well, I, uh, I saw the Canard out on the ramp. Actually, I'd, I'd heard about your Canard before... Um before you and I had met and um, I had like five people call me, hey, there's a canard on there, there's a cozy on the ramp, there's a cozy on the ramp. And I'm like, eh, it might be that velocity that comes in from time to time. And I'm like, oh, sure enough, it was a cozy. So <laughs> I understand you had a nose gear issue and mm-hmm. um, some uh, some folks were communicating out about it. So I, uh, I responded to one of the posts and somebody sent you my number. So that's mm-hmm. how we met. So small world. Small world. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us for CanardCast. This is a little thing we do for the Canard community, and um, uh, we're uh, we're grateful to have uh, have you, you know, give us a bit of your time to tell us a little bit about your Canard experience. So uh, I detect a bit of an accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, you're not from around here. <laughs> so uh, tell us where you're from. Yes. Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Armadale, Australia, which is sort of in the country, and then moved to Canberra, which is the big town capital it's like their equivalent of washington dc and then i uh, immigrated to the u.s to come for college and they uh they haven't kicked me out yet so i've been hanging around working in american aerospace since so um so did you do any flying while you were down in australia 
Yeah, so I did. Um, they have a really good cadet program down in Australia, similar to the Civil Air Patrol or something like that. And uh, I did some glider flying with them and a little bit of general aviation um, stuff, but obviously, you know, really lit on fire when I got to the U.S. Nice. Well, if you ever go back, we have a few canard folks down there that uh, would probably love to get your uh, get your take on things up here. We've even had one or two of our U.S. folks, one, well, I know... Uh, uh, there's at least one person who flew Defiant to Australia. So Steve Sorensen, he uh, he went out there one time. So I know there's a few folks that are, like when I we have a a British um, citizen who uh, who flew Pat Pat and Linda. They uh, they flew their long easy around the world. I think Australia was on their their list of places. And of course uh, Mike Melville, um, and I think Dick Rattan went with them also. They they uh, they hopped over there. So it's certainly a long flight to yep. uh, to get there from here. It was one of the attractions of the airplane, but uh, yeah, it's definitely it's like a twenty-hour thing or something when you do the math to Hawaii. It's a long, it's a long haul. That's crazy. So. Well, what? Um, so I obviously you have a, a canard. It's uh, out on the ramp, getting ready to take you up to uh, Vermont. Um, I understand you have some uh, relationships in the area. What? Um, when you when you started looking at purchasing a plane, what led you to a canard? Yeah, so the canard is, um, you know, it's it's interesting for how clean it is. There's obviously the safety advantages of the canard configuration, which I think most folks listening to this are, are very familiar with. Um, but really, I was looking for something, you know, fairly efficient that would be reasonably low cost of operation um, to get me, you know, my lady friend, and we have a big black Labrador around the U.S. So um, I've flown a fair bit of Lancer, Glazer type stuff. I was familiar with what you can do with a nice, you know, fiberglass uh, composite airplane, but the problem with all those, unless you get into the, you know, big money, is uh, is the back seat. You don't have a back seat. You get a very small baggage area, um, and then you go into, you know, earlier cheaper Bonanzas or something like that, or you know, buying a slow one eighty two or something like that. And uh, you know, the problem is you're going slower. You're burning a lot more fuel. You got much bigger, more expensive engines, and you're in the certified well which has its you know pluses and minuses um so sort of stumbled across the canards um i knew about them i knew about the long easies um, but discounted those for kind of the lack of the baggage or room for the dog and uh and yeah stumbled across the cozy uh through a guy out in uh roseman uh, raven and uh sort of every question I asked him he had a good answer to as far as the useful load and you know can you actually fill this thing up and does it actually go fast and that's sort of what got me started and I ping-ponged back and forth between Bonanzas and Cozies and sort of landed on Cozies and I've been very happy with it so far. So you're you're being a little bit modest um <laughs> we know that uh from our conversation before today that you you um you went to MIT mm -hmm. uh so you spent some time in Boston you got an aerospace engineering degree yep. um so you and uh Mark Zeitlin, I think um, uh, uh, Kevin Walsh, I think might uh, have that in common. So yep. uh, you've got some fans out in California, some buddies, I'm sure, some couches you could sleep on. Yep. Um, but so you you definitely knew a little bit about the Rutan world beforehand. So uh, so welcome to uh, welcome to the community where uh, where uh, I think we'll be lucky to have you. I understand you um, you do some. Uh, you do some flying for a living, mm -hmm. and you've flown some pretty exciting stuff recently. So, uh, what, what could you tell us about that? 
Yeah, I mean, just just back to the rutan thing for a second. I mean, I had in my first apartment, um, I had a big picture of Voyager on the wall. That is one of my favorite airplanes. Um, you know, it looks cool. Did a big number or like kind of thing. But um, I think just the story of it of a bunch of people kind of grinding away in the desert at a dream for however long it was, and they <laughs> they actually pulled it off. I think is is pretty inspiring. Um, with not a huge amount of resources, and it and that was such a paradigm shift that that was possible. It's very inspirational to me, and it, and so I think definitely some of that like Voyager, Rutan, Spaceship One, you know, all that kind of stuff um, filtered down in my decision, you know, to get one of these for sure. And it is, it's really exciting what you can do with experimental. So, um, but back to the career stuff. So I work in experimental uh, flight test work for little companies, um, doing civilian stuff. Uh, so I prior worked at Beta Technologies up in Vermont. They have some of the largest, uh, highest performance electric airplanes in the world up there. They're unfortunately not uh, canards, but they, they do have a pretty funky configuration to them that helps them get really long range. And you notice there's a lot of similar things in the DNA. Um, and then right now I work for a small company out on the West Coast, Magpie Aviation, and they're sort of working on, if you can imagine, you know, Beta was kind of the um, Teslas or, you know, making the really good electric aircraft vehicle. Um, these guys are working on, or Magpie's working on, how do you make the infrastructure for that? So how do you make range extension or sort of a charging solution in the sky that can really extend range? And that, that got me really excited because, you know, we've seen, I've done some decent cross-country trips with these airplanes and you get an airplane that can do 250 nautical miles, let's call it max range. Um, that's a hard airplane to move around long distances um, in any reasonable amount of time with charging. So this new company, Magpie, is kind of attacking that problem. Um, so. Nice. Yeah, I know our, our local airport here, we've had a few conversations with the uh, airport advisory committee about um, about uh, electric charging for aircraft. I mean, there's a there's a there's an avgas infrastructure, um, lots of lots of activity around, you know, low lead and you know, biofuels and different changes, you know, around, around regular gasoline. And I know that the energy density is not there yet with electric power, but we've got to start somewhere. And um, I think getting a charging infrastructure in place to support this budding electric aircraft world, I think is uh, be really helpful yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. There's definitely some things you can do with, with, you know, the electric power plant configurations that you can't do with a gasoline uh, you know, internal combustion type jet engine or, or electric engine. So, um, definitely make some different configurations possible. Yeah. Beta. Yeah. I'll make sure there's some information about that in the, yep. uh, COBA website about beta so that folks can read some more. Um, when you, um, uh, when you, um, purchase your new cozy, um, mm -hmm. New to me. <laughs> New to you. Yeah. yeah. November six five six Tango Echo. Yep. Um, and tell us a little bit about who built that and and what what's its current configuration. Yep. So it was a built it was built by a guy down in um, Florida, Thane Ostroth, and um, he built it over the course of about ten years, doing about a day a you know a day a week kind of thing um i think he had a buddy building an rv6 or rv7 as well at the same time so they sort of did a co-building effort and shared tools um and uh yeah he he the first flight was around 2008 and he flew it quite a bit uh, between 2008 and now it's got about 700 hours on it or so 
um, and used it kind of as a commuter between Michigan and Florida and ran all around the country in it. Um, so it's IFR, uh, it's got uh, empty prop, which is kind of unusual for these aircraft um, to have that on the back, um, and 185 horse, and a bunch of options. It's got like the uh, wing baggage pods, things like that. So. So there's there's a few canards out there, a few cozies out there that have um, constant speed props on them. Mm-hmm. And I know you haven't flown too many, but um, yesterday we we gave Lockie a chance to to fly um, a cozy three mm-hmm. um, with another pilot in the front seat. Um, what were the did you were you able to discern any differences between the two aircraft? Yeah, there's definitely a noticeable difference in the pull at the start of the takeoff roll, I'd say. Um, I think the constant speed probably buys you more field length, for sure, or lower field length, right? Mm-hmm. So better field performance. Um, it might buy you a little bit better climb as well, but honestly, I was I was amazed um, when I came down from flying in Damon's airplane. That's 160 horse, Cozy 3, pretty clean. Um, with a, It's got a Cato on it, right? Cato yeah, Cato yeah. with a... Um... Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it's an 0360 with an Ellison throttle body. Yeah. And so, uh, I was amazed. I mean, he was correction. Trying... Sorry. That Damon's plane has an 0320. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a three. It's a 160. And that was what amazed me was, you know, his cruise performance down low wasn't that different. I've heard from some folks out, uh, West, like Raven, the guy who got me into these was saying that, you know, you can expect five to 10 faster on the deck, but once you're up high, it's pretty well married up. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, I haven't really compared the opposite, uh, so I, I don't know too much, but I, it seems like fixed pitch works just fine, too, and I, I may downgrade to that at some point. It, we'll see. It yeah. does. Um, yeah. A lot of folks um, have instrument ratings, but not, not too many folks have flown um, IFR with with um, with cozies uh, yeah. or long easies or so, so forth, you know too much but those that have i know that um from my experience you know i've flown uh you know an inch you know an alice and both a defiant and a and a long easy and a cozy three and in all those cases it's pretty tricky to keep it on a on a glide slope like a three degree glide slope um and and on the correct speed you know you, you can it's really really easy to get too much speed on them and so i i, I always was thinking that a, a constant speed prop would help yeah. be a bit of a break to yeah. help slow the plane down and help you stay on a, a steeper glide slope. Um, you know, maybe you'll get a chance when you come back from Vermont next week, we'll uh, get you a chance to try an ILS with that and we'll, we'll see if there's a difference between the two. It'd be a fun test. Yeah, if you do the, if you do the math, I mean, we had issues with this, um, with the beta airplane, that the if you do the math, three degree glide slope is about 18 to one L over D, and so you say, okay, you know, the cozy does. It's like fourteen point five or fifteen, something yeah, like right that. Right around there. Yeah. yeah. So you say, what's the problem? And the and the problem is you don't need much lift in the atmosphere at all to bump you up those extra few points, or a little bit of a gust, or a little bit of a pilot error, or whatever. It's amazing. You just can't get back down. And so we we had all sorts of problems with that. So very familiar with that problem of a too clean airplane, no flaps. It it's tricky. Um, yeah, I think it, I have noticed that you don't. With the constant speed, it seems like you don't really need the speed brake as much. Um, but I, I still use it just for braking, you know, mm-hmm. reduce the wear on those brakes, right? So, yeah. Very nice. So you had a, um, 
you've got a dining panel in there, and it had a uh, a Blue Mountain panel in there. I know you've got an interesting electrical system. Yeah. Um, um, what do you uh, What have you learned this week about your electrical system? Um, well, yeah. So it's got uh, sort of what's like a granddaddy of you know modern VPX or something like that, solid state system. So there's there's only two breakers in the airplane. There's a nose gear breaker and an alternator breaker. Everything else is kind of switched through this box that was built by Blue Mountain. Um, and, uh, you know, there's since no support for that. So I think, you know, over time as, as that starts to fail, I may start to look at something else. But it makes sense for the for the kind of age that the airplane was built in was when Blue Mountain was very popular. The airplane was built with a Blue Mountain EFIS, and I believe they have like a like an engine monitor. I believe they have a they had some sort of like PFD or flight, you know, altitude kind of stuff monitoring display yeah. in there as well. And I think when that went away or there was issues with that, Thane switched to a Dynon, but the power distribution is still Blue Mountain in the back. So. Yeah, specifically it's a power panel three point five or something yep, like that. Edition, but, yeah. Um, it's uh yeah, so it's um it's interesting. We're um we've got the plane on a charger right now, we're trying to get some some juice into the battery. So mm -hmm. uh um it's uh it's hard to charge something that's twenty four volts with two batteries in series when you mm -hmm. don't have the right chargers. <laughs> so we're, we may have to get the wrenches out and charge the batteries separately. But um anyway. Yeah, always a always an interesting experience with experimental aircraft. But it's a clean plane. I've looked at it. It's uh, it's a nice build. Thane Thane did a good job with the aircraft, and you know, we hope you have uh, a lot of enjoyment with it. So, in our closing question, and you know, I know you're new to the Canard community. We're going to get you uh, introduced to Coba, the Canard Owners and Builders Association, and mm -hmm. make sure you got that that list of uh, friends and friends and Canard places, and yeah. um, and uh, we'll get you hooked up with uh, uh, David Orr's list, Beagle's list of uh, uh, his uh, squadron, he calls it, I guess, and um, and some things like that. So you have, uh, you know, you understand just, just what kind of community we have. I know it's an exceptional group of people that uh, operate and work with this uh, these aircraft, and it's one of the things that, that really draws me beyond just the aircraft's capabilities. It's just the amazing people that, that we meet in this community, very capable crowd yourself included it's a pleasure to pleasure to meet you here so if you had a flight that you wanted to uh take or what is what is you know with your cozy what's your what's your vision of a of an awesome flight or where, where would you like to go given what you know yeah i mean i think the obvious one coming from australia is trying to do that at some point we'll see how that shakes out um that's obviously challenging you gotta have a fuel system you gotta really understand it there's a lot of risk to that kind of flying you're really gonna know the airplane um and then, I mean, the, the closer to home one is um, from Haywood, California to Ketchikan, Alaska. Oh. is about at the, you know, limits of the stock fuel. So that's that could be an interesting one. Um, so maybe, you know, get some more performance numbers and try something like that. It could be kind of fun. So Very nice. Well, you've yeah. got a good machine for it. I know you've got uh, some IFR capability in there and you can get high and you can get lean. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. that's excellent. Well, I think that's a that's a good session. I appreciate uh, you joining us, and uh, we hope you enjoy the, the rare, nice weather we have here in Maine this weekend. And, <laughs> uh, and we look forward to uh, seeing you out on the ramps. We have a couple of events coming up this summer, uh, some real popular ones. Um, uh, you know, we've got Columbia happening in the near future that uh, maybe next weekend, I think, um, we've got, which you probably won't be able to make, but we've got Canab in September, and we've mm -hmm. got Rough River in September as well, mm -hmm. and of course the usuals, uh, 
uh, Oshkosh and so forth. And there's a few other ones, uh, Cop uh, Copper State down in, down in Arizona. So we hope to hope to see you cruising around with the, the rest of the folks out here. And this is Lockheed, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for, uh, thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next CanardCast. Bye. You've been listening to CanardCast, a production of the Canard Owners and Builders Association. I'm Mike Beasley, the editor of Canard Aviation Magazine, which is the quarterly publication of the association. In addition to the magazine and CanardCasts, the Canard Owners and Builders Association provides an online repository for photos, articles, news, forum conversations, as well as a searchable member list to connect with other Canard enthusiasts. It is a valuable resource for anyone building and or flying these awesome aircraft. I invite you to join us by visiting www.canardowners.com and clicking on the membership sign-up link at the top of the page. As a member, you will have access to a wide variety of canard resources essential to building, flying, and owning canard aircraft. Additionally, you can find other canard casts on the Canard Owners website as well as at anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider donating toward or sponsoring future CanardCasts. You can find a donation link at the Anchor.fm website. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fly safe and we'll see you on the flight line.